five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about direct mail today. And if you want to talk to me about your direct mail, just join the WDMA. We had uh, a new member yesterday, and they're sending me their their marketing overview, and we're going to talk. And uh, it's a heck of a deal. It's about a quarter of my regular hourly rate. If you wanted to hire me as a real consultant, but as president of the WDMA, I'd give you an offer. That's the way it goes. So I encourage you to look that up, WDMA.org. And away we go. First, let's watch the little Duracell. W, there it is right there. WDMA.org, John at. Um, or that phone number there. And uh, we're going to feature the Duracell bunny, which, you know, sort of short-circuited my brain when I was thinking about it. I thought, wait a minute, I thought it was the Energizer bunny. Well, it turns out when I wikipedia the Energizer bunny that it was a parody of the Duracell Bunny that was supposedly originally broadcast in 1973, but they let their copyright or registered trademark, they let it expire in 1988. And ta-da, here comes the Energizer Bunny. So the Energizer Bunny is the knockoff, not the Duracell Bunny. So I'm showing you the original Bunny. Although I, I think I kind of... And that is one of the problems when you talk about a battery bunny. Uh, people will pick Duracell over Energizer most of the time because Duracell is a little more of a known brand, I guess. Um, it's hard when you try to put the ideas in people's heads and they think in pictures. So let's get back to the news here and see what's going on. It turns out Santa's having a hard time on Christmas Eve. Santa. Zinc batteries? Can you even buy zinc batteries? There he goes. Now Rudolph's got a great nose. This Christmas, choose Duracell. The illusion of impressions, which is kind of like what we were talking about with the pink Duracell bunny and the pink Energizer bunny. Mm. So, Sabine Kim put this together and um of the fifth notices i don't know what that fifth notices is but anyway i think sabine is a writer and um got invited to do to help with a study to pay attention to the ads they see in just one day so uh, on monday not long ago they tried to observe and jot down every single ad that came across throughout their day okay this is not an uncommon practice among marketers or anyone else for that matter i don't think i've ever done it okay you've seen an ad for wdma for nmoa do you count the join the digital revolution down below that from david foley do you count the phone number and the url and or whatever the email down below that I don't know. You definitely saw the Duracell bunny, so we know that that's an ad, right? I I showed you that. Not that I get any money for showing it. I just that was one of 
System 1's top picks for this Christmas. That one was one of them. From John Evans. Thank you, John. And we're working our way through those. It was nice and fast and to the point. But does anyone really buy zinc batteries anymore? My goodness. Even the dollar store sells sells uh, alkaline batteries. I got these at the dollar store. See? Triple A. Simply done. And it says right up there. Alkaline. Never heard of those before. I'm pretty sure I got them at the dollar store. But I might have got them at the Piggly Wood. Generic alkaline batteries. Are they any good? I don't know. It's not a life and death application, typically. That's in my personal grooming tool. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, he expected some disparity between the reported statistics of daily, he or she, I don't know who Sapira is, uh, between the disparity between reported statistics of daily uh, ad exposure and the number I ultimately ended up with. Um, the widely cited figure of 5,000 ads per day, and there's a link to that, it looks like, in the article, <clears throat> seemed a wide over, wild overreach. But um, they estimated 100 to 150 ads. The actual count would prove even lower. So they got up in the morning and looked at Instagram and saw blindfolded wines, Koss, Walgreens, Samsung, and U.S. Marines. On Reddit, they saw Masterworks, uh, ad investment. You can invest in art, I think. Yeah. Um, and then they have a list of all the ads they remember seeing all the way to the end of the day. The total list, 26. 26. That's, that's a few short of 5,000. Reminds me of when I showed one of my, my neighbor in the office here. I was wearing, not this one, but I have a Invicta, which looks just like a, a Rolex Submariner. This is actually a Rolex. But, you know, when you're working on the lawnmower or something, you don't really want to be wearing your Rolex, I don't think. Uh, although it, now I... The Invicta, I tried to reset it a little bit to keep better time, and I broke the seal, and now it leaks. So I got a, I got a new seal, ordered it. But I'm not that good at putting them in. Why do I put these stories in? Well, because the uh, the neighbor said, I paid $5,000 for my Rolex. I got it used. How much was yours? <clears throat> I said, about 5000 less than that. <laughs> Because I think it was like 85 bucks or something. So this is that kind of disparity. 26 to 5,000 versus 86 to 5,000. Okay, almost the same thing. The illusion of impressions. And so it made me want to reevaluate the true impact of effectiveness of impression-based advertising. Never mind, according to Dr. Augustine Fu, probably at least 30% of those impressions are fake. Right? And uh, so I was probably exposed to at least three or four times that number. So that would get you close to 100, but that's still a long ways from 5,000, right? More like my watch differential. Okay, <clears throat> which begs the question, what's the actual value of an impression if the viewer doesn't consciously acknowledge it? Even if an ad is viewed, <clears throat> does it hold any significance? Okay, like yesterday I went to the mailbox, so what was in it? I remember. Was it for me? No, it was for my wife. It was from the Mayo Clinic newsletter. Okay, I remember. Didn't even take me a lot of work to remember. I didn't open it. 
I took it home. I gave it to her. And, uh, you know, she got her latest edition. <clears throat> They're always sending her renewal notices, even though she's not up for renewal. It's a trick in, it's a trick in publishing, I guess, to get the money up front. Um, so as we dig deeper, it becomes increasingly evident that metrics like impressions and views may not be meaningful as meaningful as they are perceived. It's funny because impression and view is a perception, a perception term, right? But the author is saying they're not maybe meaningful perceptions, not as meaningful as we perceive them. So a view is not a view. A view is maybe a scroll by. I'm not even sure. And in fact, in the latest bot data that I got and reported on from uh, Media Post, um, it said that LinkedIn had the most bot impressions. What do you know? It's probably maybe Microsoft, because Microsoft bought it. I don't know. But anyway, so metrics and views may not be important. I'm going to talk about them just a little bit more. Studies have shown, but they do have a link in here, which is better than most. Studies have shown, that makes it true, that while individuals are exposed to far more advertising than they consciously recognize, it does not necessarily translate to higher recall, right? What was the one piece of mail yesterday? Right. One piece of mail was the Mayo Clinic newsletter. I remember that. Without any real assistance, okay? Hitting a high impression number count doesn't mean an ad was successful. This is We've been saying this in direct mail for decades. And David Ogilvy and Claude Hopkins say... You really should be using direct mail to test and prove your, the effectiveness of your advertising rather than this goofy, these goofy nonsense measurements that are basically favor the advertiser, uh, the, the advertising medium that you're buying could puff up the number. Okay, This experience has further proven that we as marketers should not be emphasizing the importance of the content and uh, the context and oh, we should be emphasizing the context and content of advertising over the volume of its delivery. Well, that's probably true. You may want to buy directly from publications and other so media sources rather than letting some AI algorithm place your ads for you, which also has uh, looks like we're failing today. Disconnected, reconnecting, but it looks like it's reconnected fine. So I think it's going to work today. Okay, and so I thought I'd show you my content performance on my LinkedIn as of today. And uh, in the last year, I'm up 2,515%. 2,500%. Wow, that sounds great. Right here, you'll notice it went way up. And that was because of an Amazon, little short video of an Amazon delivery person unfurling a flag as after he delivered the package and saluting it which was a you know, kind of heartwarming, patriotic sort of little video. But I was stunned that it got 17,000 views or impressions or whatever it is that, I guess it does call them impressions, that LinkedIn takes and keeps an eye on. What impressions really tell you is whether you were able to fool the LinkedIn algorithm, right? Um, I wrote to somebody yesterday, Mark Graham, and said, Mark, I, I liked one of your posts this past week. And he said, yeah, I noticed that you did. I said, I haven't seen a post from you in weeks and weeks or months even. And he said, well, I post at least three times a week. So the trick is that 
in that uh, LinkedIn just doesn't show the post. This is all this really shows is that it appears in someone's feed, I think. And so this really shows you that LinkedIn is paying more attention to me based on this particular post I made. And there was a post here. This was where uh, Kid Rock shot up the Budweiser cases. Um, so I've learned that, you know, don't make it all about direct mail or LinkedIn will totally ignore you. Okay, so now here's a really interesting little article. Let's make this a little bigger so I can see what it's about or show you what it's about. Um, it, this is from Nick. Uh, oh, man, I can't read that. I got new or glasses on order. I think it's Nick, Nick Melinda. But it, I took, cut it off the top. I should have. I was going to make it bigger. The link is here, shareable link. But this is a picture, so you'd have to retype it. Anyway, he says four pack for sixteen dollars. Set prices that are divisible by purchase quantities. I'm going to make it even bigger, okay? Because it's really over here. After once you see this, then you got it, and then you go over here. Customers prefer prices that are divisible by purchase quantity because it helps them imagine using those products. So consider a three pack of candles for $15. Each candle would cost $5. Pretty good, right? $5 each. But why not lower the price to $14.50 for three? Wouldn't this unit price less than the $5 be more appealing than the $5? It's lower. Ironically, no. Researchers found a peculiar effect with bundles. Customers prefer bundles in which prices as example 15, are divisible by the quantity, three-pack. Okay, and this is a very recent study, 2023, fall of 2023. So in, the, in their studies, customers preferred four-pack of body wash for 16 versus 13, 15, 30. A six-pack of tissues for 18 versus $17. So even though this is less per pack, they would buy this one as opposed to the lower price. Eight pack of toothbrushes for sixteen dollars versus fifteen forty one. Eleven pack of cashews for eleven dollars versus ten. Okay. Divisibility creates a unit price. If a customer sees a three pack of candles for fifteen dollars, they calculate five dollars per candle. This calculation shifts their attention from the bundle to the units. So they start thinking in terms of units and they say to themselves, Oh, I could put one for the living room, one for the bedroom, one for the bathroom. Okay. With no clear unit price from a 1450 bundle, the customers focus on the bundle itself. It's harder to imagine usage scenarios. It feels less urgent to replenish these candles when you're imagining having an abundance of them. What am I going to do with three candles? So, adjust price or quantity, whichever it helps you reach divisibility. Multiples of prices can work too. Four small pizzas with six toppings for $24. I was trying to figure that out. That I didn't figure out how the six into four actually worked, and I was thinking that that was too complicated. And they said charm prices might work. Instead of fifteen, try fourteen ninety nine. The customer might figure out that it's three dollars each because you can't really divide that last penny. But fourteen would anchor a lower price in the in the mind for the bundle. But if it does, then they won't be able to divide it again. You could test it though. And that's the magic of direct mail. We can really, really test it for real and see how they buy. Now, there's also an article cited, which is the source, sources and consequences of fluent processing of numbers. Okay, Remember the famous Burger King one-third pound burger versus McDonald's quarter pounder? 
didn't sell. Why not? Because consumers said a quarter pounder, one-fourth, is bigger than a third. <laughs> Think about that. You can look it up. It's that well documented, right? We don't process numbers that well. And so if it's not an easy multiplication, to 15 divided by 3, I can do it in my head without any work. But in thinking fast and slow, the author points out that we just don't want to make our brain work. And 1441 divided by 3 is hard for me. Even me, who does it live and messed it up on Friday, but cut it all out and repurposed it for you. So I think that this may be actually what's really going on. That the, We just don't want to deal with it at all. We don't want to think about what the price per unit is. You know, what's 14 divided by 3? Well, it's about... 270, something like that. See, I, I knew I couldn't resist that. 17 strategic uses for direct mail campaigns. And as usual, Forbes is underwhelming in their uh, presentation here. Um, it's done by the Forbes Communication Council members. They shall share compelling use cases. Actually, there isn't any. There isn't one use case in this whole article, as far as I can tell. But we'll read it anyway. Personalized invitations. There's another one down below that says invite to local events. It's the same thing. Um, these people, this was a security company. Um, you know, I think they put a gun to these people's heads and said, give us two sentences about what you think of mail. Uh, targeting healthcare, they said, well, these are older audiences. So uh, mail is more tangible and memorable than digital. That's true. Okay, that's true. Financial services, yeah, the boomers have all the money, except they don't, but they might have a house that they haven't sold yet, so they're asset rich but cash poor. So um, direct mail is highly targeted. I don't know that it's any more targeted than, than digital, maybe less targeted, and it certainly takes a lot longer to get there. You know, you can, yeah, you can buy mailing lists of personal net worth, but... You know, they're all compiled. They're probably not that accurate. Probably older data because nobody really knows when it was updated last. They save money by not updating them very currently. A lot of times they use census tract data. I'm not trying to argue against mail. I'm trying to argue against this article. Uh, communicating to already established customers. Yeah, that makes sense. We've done holdout test after holdout test. I've probably done dozens of those. And we never... Don't see an incremental lift in return on investment when you mail your past customers, even when they're probably four years old and haven't bought. Um, there is a diminishing returns, though, if you, especially if you've been mailing them every month. There's a time to cut back on that. I don't even know what school partnerships are, so I skipped that one. Geographically specific groups. Yeah, if you've got a retail store, you can go right around it. You can use Every Door Direct, and uh, they'll even tell you the 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 median income in the uh, carrier route. Uh, there's the local events. Messaging consumers. I didn't know what that one was. <clears throat> Rele reaching less digitally connected audiences. Yeah, northern Wisconsin. Just maybe this was the last five, five or ten years ago. I did a project for a cell carrier up there, kind of a regional cell carrier and they said only 60 percent of northern wisconsin had credit cards much less internet okay so go figure that out you might want to mail to them they were mailing to them and they thought that was the most effective thing they could do 
tailored goods like handmade jewelry. Direct mail has fewer restrictions. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, about GDPR. Uh, buzz around new products targeting older consumers. We had that one already. QR codes. Yeah, one advantage of QR codes in mail is you can't scan a QR code when you receive it on your phone. You can't scan it with your phone. They should fix that somehow. You know, you could do a screen capture and then, no, you can't. There's no way to do it. <laughs> it's really funny. You have to print it out or something. You have to put it on your computer and then you can scan it with your phone. So there's probably an app that does it, but it's not built in. Uh, a big flaw should be able to do that. If somebody emails you a QR code, you should be able to scan that QR code with your phone without putting it anywhere else. Okay, reaching executives. This was interesting because they said the higher barrier of direct mail, given its cost, ensures that you will get your outreach into the hands of your targeted executive buyer. I don't think that's true at all. I've, you know, I spent a lifetime practically in B2B. Just because it costs more doesn't mean it'll get delivered. You, may, you better work with somebody who knows how to get it through the, the gatekeeper. Because if it looks like junk mail, if it's a little postcard, uh, it's not going to get delivered. Just because it's co more costly than an email doesn't mean it's going to get delivered. So, you know, again, are these people direct mail experts? I don't think so. Again, high income. They're just repeating stuff that they've heard on uh, probably USPS campaigns. Anyway, have a great day. <laughs> The real, the real benefit of mail is that we can do incremental testing. We can test the incremental lift of mail, although there isn't one valid test talked about in any of those articles. But we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I've got a great, a great article on tap for you. Have a great day. Like and repost. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho.